Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It's the best day of the week. It's Friday. There are games coming up tonight and tomorrow. They're not the greatest games on paper, but uh, what's the cliche, Ari, that, that these are always the craziest weeks? Well, maybe maybe it will be. But I'm going to do something crazy today. We, we kind of prefaced this on our post-game show after the last round of games on Saturday. But the more I think about it, the more I am ready to do it. Ari, I think think I'm going to do it. I think think I'm going to say it again. I said it last year and ended up with mayonnaise in my mouth and me nearly throwing up on the podcast. But I am ready to say it again. I am ready to fall into this trap. This is, for me, what Texas is for you. Not anymore. I'm willing to say it. Oh I'm yeah, out. that's right. You, you I learned my lesson. You give it up. Well, if if we've learned any lesson on this podcast, it's that I never learned my lesson. And I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it right now. Pitt is legit. They are too legit to pit again. They are playing Clemson. They are favored against Clemson. This says a lot about Clemson this year, and it says a lot about Pitt this year. I'm going to take Pitt, Ari. We're going to put some stakes on it. I'm going to take Pitt. I'm going to do it. You can't talk me out of it. You've tried. You you have tried. I should have learned my lesson last year, but I watched them play. I don't know how they lost to Western Michigan, but I think maybe they've already pitted, and they're not going to pit again. No, the pit experience means that that it could happen at any time, multiple times a year, and the pit experience isn't always bad. Sometimes the pit experience means they kick the crap out of somebody really good. The pit experience is that you have no idea what you're ever going to get, no matter who they're playing, when they're playing, or how they're playing. That's the real pit experience. So like you are just taking a taking a spin on the fun wheel. And the thing about it was is that the mayonnaise was supposed to be shock therapy. It was supposed to yes. be the thing that you put in your mouth that every single time that you rem- th- think about betting on pit, you remember your mayonnaise incident. That's what the whole point of this is. And the fact that we're back in this situation right now, you already explained it to yourself. I don't know how they lost to Western Michigan because they're pit. It happens every year. It's the same thing. And listen, I understand that Clemson has offense is dreadful and that this game uh, should go in Pitt's favor considering they're five and one um, just coming off of a pretty thorough domination of, of Virginia Tech last weekend. But and, and I know they have beaten Tennessee, but I don't know that I've seen enough from Pitt in the positive to think that expectations that they're going to do anything are worth doing. So I am going to take Clemson by default. I know that Clemson has been really hard to watch this year, but if Pitt was ever going to Pitt, I think it's going to happen when there's expectations they're playing Clemson on ESPN. All right, so Clemson fun. has to score. Clemson has to score. Did I watch the entire Why are you breaking Clemson the game Syracuse down? Game? Like it matters. This is Pitt. <laughs> I don't know why you're why are you breaking it down? Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Forget this it, Jake. Is, it's Pitt. The, the the fact that you are trying to become rational in your thought process has shown me that you've lost your way. I don't care if Pitt has every statistical advantage known to man. It's Pitt. Ari, if Pitt wins this game. We're talking about like a Pitt NC State or a Pitt Wake Forest ACC championship. You're doing it again, Andy, because you're assuming that Pitt's not going to pit for the rest of the year. <laughs> you just have not, you not only have you, I don't know that you've 
not learned, you've regressed. Because now you're assuming that Pitt's going to win five more games. Clemson has to score points. Pitt's going to score a few. Clemson's going to have to score some. I'm not sure they can score some. You said, I think we're one Pitt win away from an NC State Pitt and uh, ACC championship game. Or awake awake Pitt ACC championship. Don't forget Wake. I think Wake's going to lose to Army this weekend, but I guess that's a discussion. Not an ACC game, Ari. No, I know. I'm just saying like that. That's an illustration. Shockingly, neither is Wake Forest, North Carolina. Also not an ACC game, despite being between two ACC teams. I don't know that Wake Forest. I don't know their schedule off the top of my head. I just know that they're not going to finish the season unbeaten in the ACC. Listen, it's, it's really come down to, isn't it's, it? It's going to come down to Wake hard. NC State. It's going to come down to Wake NC State for the Atlantic. You heard it here first. Like this, this, this pit win against Clemson is going to make Wake NC State your de facto ACC oh, Atlantic championship game. Wake has Army this weekend on the road, which they're a three-point favorite in, believe it or not. Duke. Right. Right. That should be a win. And then they're at North Carolina, home at NC State, at Clemson, and then at BC. They might lose three of the four of those games. They might, or they might not. But listen, let's concentrate okay. on the on, on the, the game at hand here. I was. You said this that is, their one went away from playing in the ACC championship game. Like They don't have five other I games left to pick. I didn't say that. I said potentially a Wake Forest, NC State, de facto Atlantic championship game. That's what I said. But that only that only happens if Clemson is knocked off the board. And the only way to knock Clemson off the board, I think, because remember, Wake plays Clemson after they play NC State, I think would be for Pitt to to beat him here. That would be the second ACC loss. That would that would liven things up for that Wake NC State game. I don't know what's going to happen. I cannot believe I am giving points to Clemson with Pitt. But here I am. I can't resist it. I cannot resist it. All right, so here's here are the stakes for the bet. This is this is suggested by our listeners, and it's very topical. You know, if you listen to the show after the games, well, during one of the games, we were kind of breaking down everything that happened at the end of Tennessee and Ole Miss, and, and we couldn't figure out what's in the French's bottle. How did the French's mustard bottle get there? Now, I've been told, uh, Blake Topmeyer, who, who works at the Knoxville News Sentinel and the USA Today Network. He's a columnist. He told me that it was his impression from talking to Tennessee fans that they do use whole mustard bottles in the upper deck of Neyland Stadium. The concourses in the lower deck have the pumps, so you wouldn't have had a bottle there. But the bottles are used in the upper deck, and possibly that bottle was thrown from the upper deck. If so, yikes. But the other theory, and the one we batted around on on Saturday night and into Sunday morning, was either someone brought a bottle of mustard with them, or they had turned a bottle of mustard into a makeshift flask. This is the theory we are choosing to believe right now. Our our colleague, Nicole Auerbach, you can hear her on Power Hour on Tuesday on this feed. She, I think, supports this theory, that this was somebody made a flask out of a French's mustard bottle. So guess what we're going to do? The loser of this bet has to take a shot of the liquor of their choice with mustard in it. Could be vodka, could be bourbon, could be scotch, whatever you want, you choose. 
And you're going to choose, Ari, because you're going to lose. I, here's the thing. I might. I might. The only reason why I'm involved in this is because you wanted to bet on Pitt. Uh, and I guess I'm also breaking my own rule because I'm betting on a game that involves in Pitt. That's that's my rule. Are you not? Are you not excited though? Is it not exciting what is happening? But their offense looks great. I'm excited to watch the game, especially now that I have skin in the game. But there's no chance in any scenario that I would put my money, my personal money, on a game on Pitt or a game involving Pitt. Because listen, Pitt could come out and win forty-eight to ten. That's in the spectrum of things that could happen. They could also true. lose 48 to 10 because in a pit That's game, also true. anything can happen. They could cancel the game. There could be cops on the field again. <laughs> Who knows? It's pit. Mustard <laughs> bottles everywhere. What are they, it's Heinz Field. They have to be ketchup bottles, right? I know Heinz makes mustard. Heinz too, makes they're, mustard. They're more yeah. famous for their ketchup. More famous for their ketchup. By the so, way, I will, I will say that Heinz ketchup is superior to all other ketchup. Oh, and I think it's a, not even close. Okay, because there's it, some it, people it, like it, rolled gold and like those other psychopath flavors or, or brands. No. Heinz is so superior. I don't know that there's anything that has competition making the same product that has such a stark advantage as Heinz ketchup. It's is it's to the, the mouthfeel. Yeah, because if you're if you're if you're trying to do hunts or uh, famous recipe or any of those other ketchups, it's They're just chunky. It feels wrong. Yeah, yeah. Heinz feels right. Yeah, it, that's a good question. Is there any other brand that dominates its product category more than Heinz dominates ketchup? I can't think of any. I mean, because sodas, you know, everybody's got their favorite. You could but say Coca-Cola, ketchup, but Pepsi has a pretty hard, large market share. No, there's there's people who are diehard Pepsi people. Like, you know, you don't meet people who are like, I'm a Hunts person. Gotta have Hunts. I would actively, like, I, I don't hate it like if it's the only option i'll take hunts over no ketchup but i would actively avoid buying or having hunts in my house that would never happen yeah of course you're going heinz all right that that we're not putting ketchup in the shot either we could do a ketchup and a mustard shot and decide which is better i would much rather do ketchup than mustard so let's just stick with mustard because i think mustard will be more painful oh no okay oh no here we go let's well, I would rather be mustard. So here it is. Here's here's the bet. If Pitt covers, <laughs> I can't believe I'm giving up. Saying it again. Here. Say it again <laughs> for the people in the back. I cannot believe I'm giving up points here. If Pitt covers, you have to take a mustard shot. You know, mustard mixed with the liquor of your choice. If Clemson covers, I have to take a ketchup shot. Okay, fair enough. Also, what do you think the spread of this game would have been if it were a month ago? Clemson by 13 and a half. Coming into the season, where would you have where would you have set the line? Clemson by 21 and a half. Yeah, I think like somewhere in the 21 to 17 to 21 range. I think that was the most shocking thing to me is to see that not only is Clemson an underdog going into the game. Clemson opened the week as an underdog. This wasn't even a case of, of the public hitting this hard in the line flipping. Clemson's been the underdog since this thing opened. But what has Clemson shown you in any game that makes you feel like they should be laying points anywhere? Nothing. Their nothing. helmet. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, they got a nice tiger paw. That's pretty much it. And and you now, here's, here's the danger. 
and it's not, let, let's take Pitt out of the equation. The danger when you do something like this is that it all somehow clicks for Clemson and they just blowtorch somebody. But I don't, I think we've seen enough of them to think that that's probably not going to happen this year. And they're missing a lot of guys. I mean, they're injured. Yeah. They're banged up. So, yeah. I mean, know. if their D-line was intact, I wouldn't be doing this. There's there's no way I'm doing this. If they, if they are playing full strength on the D-line, I I probably can't do this. But given the situation, I, I feel like, hey, look. Given the analysis of the game that I'm coming up with uh, that involves Pitt, I'm just going to – I feel comfortable. You learned nothing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nothing. All right. I have learned nothing. We'll be right back after these words. Here's another game. I, I'm not sure if we've learned anything about this particular team. Because I feel like we should know more than than to do this. But Oklahoma State is a seven-point underdog at Iowa State. Why? Why is Oklahoma State not favored in this game? Didn't that I think that line opened up at more than seven, too? I think Iowa State was lying nine at a, at some point, and I don't know for sure. Let me see. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma. I uh, maybe not. Understand that. Yeah. Like, do we? All right. Okay. First of all, we can go back to the Baylor game and look at what Baylor's done before and since, and go. Okay, that Baylor win is very impressive. Holding Baylor to fourteen points is very impressive. Then you go to the Texas game. That was impressive too. What has Iowa State done to impress you? And especially, what have they done offensively? Because how do we know they're going to be able to score on Oklahoma State? Yeah, I this game feels fishy to me. And I've yeah, I when the when the spread opened, I was thinking, well, you want to know what else feels fishy too? And I don't think it's on your list. Um, Go but for it. I'm going to put this in the same exact category as as this Oklahoma State game. Purdue being underdogs at home against Wisconsin. Wisconsin should not be laying points anywhere, especially no. considering the fact that Purdue has a really, really good defense and they've got David Bell. So, like, you're going to yes. lay three points if you're a Wisconsin better in this game? That there's makes no, no sense There's either. nothing Wisconsin has done this season to suggest that they can go beat Lay Purdue points against anybody. Road. Yes. Yeah, that, that makes no sense. And, and it's, it's interesting because we're talking about this. Clemson, everybody maybe has learned their lesson. They've watched enough of Clemson. Has people not watched enough of Wisconsin or not watched enough of, of Oklahoma State to understand kind of where – like Oklahoma State is good. It's not fluky anymore. They have a great defense. They have enough firepower on offense to get them through. I, I don't think they're going to they're gonna light anybody up offensively, but they're going to hold you down so far that they don't have to. And then Wisconsin, they're not going to score very much. They're just not. And eventually you're going to wear their defense out because their offense isn't doing anything. Do you think that just Iowa State is just being overlooked and we're forgetting how good they were supposed to be because they had a few bad games in the beginning of the year? And like, I know they played Kansas and Kansas State, but like, is the thought process here that Iowa State still is the team that theoretically could be competing for the Big 12 championship game? We've lost track of them a little bit. Uh, if they get it rolling, they should be able to beat Oklahoma State by seven and then move on into the the, the Big 12 race again? Or are you just completely out on Iowa State? I'm not completely out on them, but I just, I don't think they're that team. 
I don't think they're that team that, that we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. Now, they can prove me wrong, and if they beat Oklahoma State, they're right back in this thing because they've, you know, they've lost to Baylor and to Iowa. Only one of those games counts against their Big 12 record. So, uh, and, and I w- we can probably assume they'll lose to Oklahoma, but, but two conference losses, seven and two in the conference, probably gets you in to the Big 12 championship game at this point. Uh, well, I mean, or maybe it comes down to them against Texas again, which is what it was last year. But I just, I, I think it's more that I believe in Oklahoma State's defense to hold people down. I, at a certain point, that's not a fluke anymore. Like, they shut down Texas in the second half last week. Just completely shut them down. So I don't, I don't know at what point do we start believing in them? Because I, th- I think we should. Yeah, I believe in them. I, I thought that seven was a little bit too much. Like I would lean towards Oklahoma State in this game just in the idea that we it's not so much that the onus is on Iowa State to reveal whether it's back on track or not. It's more of whether or not you believe in Oklahoma State. And after what they did against Texas and Baylor the last two weeks, I mean, heck, uh, even Kansas State uh, the week before and then Boise State the week before. I mean, they've won four pretty tough games in a row. So, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that they've been pretty battle tested. Nobody's scoring a ton of points on them. And, you know, if you can keep Iowa State to, you know, 21, which I think is pretty reasonable, I don't see why uh, they shouldn't cover the spread here. Absolutely, I'll take the free seven points for Oklahoma State because I I would pick them to win this game outright. I I just don't see where this line is coming from. It doesn't make any sense to me. Let me give you another one, Ari, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The original line made sense to me. This one doesn't. So Oregon-UCLA opened with Oregon as a three-point favorite on the road. UCLA is now a two-point favorite in that game. So people hammered hammered that line, and, and now UCLA is the favorite. I get that Oregon lost to Stanford and should not have lost to Stanford, and they didn't look great against Cal. But this sort of forgets that in the Mario Cristobal era, Oregon always shows up for the big games. It's the games that, that Oregon's not supposed to lose, that, that are not supposed to be that close, that you have to worry about, kind of like the game against Cal last week. UCLA is probably the best opponent left on the regular season schedule. Maybe, you know, maybe somebody further down the road, but I, at this point, UCLA, you, you could argue that they're the best team left on Oregon's schedule. So if that's the case, they're going to be way up for this game. Uh, they, they go to Utah later. That's, that's probably the other one that, that you'd worry about. But they should be through the stratosphere for this game. I don't worry about Oregon in games like this. I worry about them in games like the Washington game. Now that Washington's struggling. Like, this game, I'm not worried about them. So I, I feel like you fade the public on this one and 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 take Oregon you get, and, and take your free two points. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not we believe Oregon is the Oregon team that they were when they played Ohio State. You know, they lost C.J. Verdell. Um, you know, there's some offensive concerns and I just like, don't know if Oregon's last two weeks were an indication that they were sleepwalking against, uh, overmatched opponents, or if they're just not very good. Like, I'm like, I'm not convinced that Oregon's a very good football team right now. I I'm, I'll be curious. I, and really it, it will come down and Oregon has not been the greatest team in the world against the run is how well do they, do they handle UCLA's run game? Cause if they force DTR to throw, and you've got Kayvon Thibodeau harassing DTR, then 
I, I feel pretty good about Oregon's chances defensively, but they've got to they've got to force UCLA into into some down and distance situations where he's got to throw. Yeah, I'm I'm also having a hard time with UCLA. Like well, that, where, that's the other problem. Where do we think they are? You know, I was all in on the UCLA bandwagon when they beat LSU. Uh, I thought they were going to win the Pac-12 South. And just when they lost, they didn't just lose. They got, you know, kind of beat up pretty good by Arizona State. And then, of right. course, the the Hainer game uh, where they lost to Fresno State late in the one o'clock hour central time. You know, it just kind of helps you kind of recategorize the way you view them. Like, I still believe that UCLA at its peak is is every bit as good as Oregon, maybe even Oregon at its peak. Um, but I don't know. I mean, today, this this game to me is just kind of scream, stay away from it. It, it is a weird line, and, and this is one that Oregon, if it really is going to be a playoff team, should win this game and not just win it by a couple. It shouldn't be close if, if Oregon really is a playoff team. And I, I we redid our playoff predictions at The Athletic this week, and I put Oregon in. I said they're going to win out. I, I'm not sure how much faith I have in that. I'll bet you anything that that doesn't happen. <laughs> well, we did have a uh, our 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 guy Dad Bob Mike had a great idea for a charity bet, and maybe this maybe this should be the charity bet. Let's let's okay. do that. So I will say that Oregon wins out, and you say that Oregon does not win out. And this is this is including the Pac-12 championship game. This is this is to make the yeah, playoff, right? And so Dad Bob Even Mike had a, a a great idea, and his idea was. The loser has to fast for 24 hours, and basically we we will ch- pick a, a charity, uh, specifically a charity that that fights hunger, that you know one one that works on on feeding folks, and we will do 24 hour fast for the loser, and you pledge per hour that the loser doesn't eat, and if the loser wants to go further than 24 hours and make make a little more money for charity, then maybe we try that, but. I think I think that would be a really good that's a that's yeah. a good bet because I, I I still think Oregon has all the pieces to make this happen to to win out and and make the playoff but I understand your skepticism. There isn't a single game on first of all let's consider that bet locked in, right? All right. There isn't a single game on Oregon's schedule left that they should you would think that they would lose. I just know there's another Stanford out there somewhere. Yeah. No, I, and it might be this weekend. That's, that's, they're, I mean, that's they're dogs. what I worry about. I just, I don't think so. Especially, and and now that they, the, the public has made them underdogs, that's just asking Oregon to go whip UCLA. Like, they're going to be up for this. It's the games that they're not up for. And this is, we, we talk about Mario Cristobal in terms of other jobs. I don't know that he needs to be, thinking about those other jobs at the, at the places where they do routinely compete for the playoff until he can consistently win the games he's supposed to win. That's, that's the thing that has really held him back. And now you're Everything betting else, that he will. It feels like they're doing well. I know I am. I know I am. I, I just think because they've already had that game. They had that game against Stanford. So I look at that as their game against Arizona State a couple years ago. That 2019 team, Justin Herbert's senior year, they lost to they lost to Auburn to start that year. But 
then after that, they were, they were rolling, and then they had to just blow out. The, the random, and I don't mean they got blown out. I mean the, the tire blew out against Arizona State late in the season. And I feel like the Stanford game was that game for them this year. So perhaps it taught them the lesson they needed to be taught. I don't know. But I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they're going to win out the rest of the season. All right. I'm happy that the bet's locked in. I don't think there's a chance I'm going to lose, but you know, I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, and I've been counting calories anyways. I'm, I'm down, uh, I'm down 14 pounds since I started. So Good for you, 24 hours of fasting would be, uh, would be helpful. I think in, in this one, it would, it would give me a nice big meal on the other end, uh, if I had some calories left over. So we, we can definitely try that. I think I, I, I think it'll be great to raise some money for a good cause. And so I was one of those. I don't care if I lose. I, I, I'll be happy if we help raise some money. Yeah, so, no, I agree. So I still, I, I think Oregon wins this game. I'm happy to take the two points. Let's move on to another Pac-12 team. This one traveling east. USC is a seven-point underdog at Notre Dame. I don't know how I feel about this game because I don't think either of these teams is very good. It's one of those that the, the brands are big, and we're going to watch it because the, the matchups this week are not particularly compelling. So it, it's probably going to have more people watching that, that this year than, than would have if, the, if these two teams were playing, say, last week. Because it's just, I don't know, I, I have no faith in USC to go beat Notre Dame, but I'm not sure I have a ton of faith in Notre Dame to score a bunch of points. I mean, USC hasn't just been losing. They've been getting their butts kicked. I know they yes, beat they Colorado in the middle there, but they've been kind of laying down a little bit. So, you know, going on the road against a five and one Notre Dame team that probably feels pretty good about itself, um, if they're only losses to a Cincinnati team that might be in the playoff right now, uh, I, I just don't know that I trust USC can exist in a hard fought loss. So, if you believe that Notre Dame is going to win, I think that it gets away from USC, and I think Notre Dame would cover this, even though I don't think Notre Dame is particularly good this year. And the Notre Dame thing is just interesting to me because every week I'm not even watching Notre Dame for Notre Dame anymore. I'm watching Notre Dame for Cincinnati, like on behalf of Cincinnati, because Notre Dame probably favored in every game from here on out. Maybe North Carolina. They're not. We'll, we'll see. That's that's next week. But if they went out and they're 11 and one and Cincinnati's sitting there at 13 and zero with a win against 11 and one Notre Dame it's going to be hard to keep them out of the playoff. The The worse Notre Dame does, the more it hurts Cincinnati. So I'm fascinated to see what happens with Notre Dame because I, I don't think they're particularly great, but I think the way the schedule has, uh, this is one of those, if you look at the schedule at the beginning of the season, you would think, oh, that you know, if Notre Dame's not good, they're not going 11-1. There's no way. Well, it just so happens that the way it's fallen, the, the teams on their schedule have not turned out to be that great. Yeah, before the uh, year started, you could have looked at Notre Dame's schedule and said Florida State on the road is going to be a tough game. Uh, Wisconsin is going to be a tough game. Cincinnati is going to be a tough game. At Virginia Tech, home against USC, home against North Carolina. Uh, even Navy is a tough game. Georgia Tech, Stanford. Like, that was a tough schedule. And it turned out like they had a yellow brick road to a one-loss season. Yes. Yeah, and they're, they're going to go to a New Year's Six game, but potentially vault Cincinnati into the playoff. And so – that kind of makes Notre Dame a must-see TV team for me every week. I know last point. year I said that I was done forever until the playoff expanded, like discussing or entertaining the fact that a group of five team could make the playoff. 
but I will say this kind of feels like a like a miracle scenario for Cincinnati where everything well, is you, just you kind want, of breaking their way still because like not only uh, is everybody losing, uh, not only do they take care of business. Now the schedule for Notre Dame has you know presented itself in a way where it can continue to be a quote unquote good win, maybe even a top 10 win for Cincinnati by the end of the year that can help vault them into that playoff. And it's like when you think about all the things that had to happen for Cincinnati for them to get in, it kind of feels like all of them are happening, doesn't it? Well, the the one thing that we are now sort of getting our minds wrapped around that I think has has eased the idea of Cincinnati getting in the playoff is I think most people are coming around on the idea that they're going to favor Georgia over Alabama in the SEC championship game. And Alabama's not getting into the playoff if they lose the SEC championship game. They're just not. And Alabama and Georgia will both get in probably if Georgia's sitting there at 12 and 0. And, and Alabama beats them in the SEC championship game. But I think the more you watch those teams, the more you think, okay, we think Georgia wins that game. And if that happens, that's a spot that's open for somebody. Yeah, I don't think that I would think that Alabama should be favored in the Georgia game as things stand right now. Do you? No, absolutely not. So, and, and maybe that changes. You know, maybe Florida gives Georgia a really good game next week and, and, and exposes some weaknesses. We, we'll see. But... If Georgia's sitting there at 12 and 0 and they've been playing the same way they've been playing all season, it is going to be hard for Alabama to win that game. So that's where the the optimism about Cincinnati comes in. You know, the, like Ohio State and Oklahoma, I feel like they're just sort of in control of their destiny. If they keep winning, they're in good shape. Uh, ditto for for the other teams in the Big Ten, the, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, even Iowa. I don't think they're going to to go the rest of the season without losing another game, but hey, who knows? They could, and if they did, they would have earned their way in. But all of those teams feel like they're in control. Cincinnati's not in control because they're in the group of five, and and so some stuff has to happen. Georgia beating Alabama would be that stuff. Now, uh, it, it will depend on on other things and and where other teams are. You know, doesn't does a team go undefeated through the ACC? Who knows? We'll see. I mean, that would be Wake Forest. <laughs> and uh, I don't think so, but but one never knows. Speaking of the Crimson Tide, Ari. Well, one thing I wanted to say about that, too, though. Okay. Is Clemson, as a one-loss team that gets healthy at the end of the year, a playoff team? Like, are they dead? Clemson's got two losses. So, yes. I just wanted you to say that. Okay. <laughs> You're just trying to trick me. You see if I was paying attention. I appreciate yeah. that. No, I just it is. I just wanted to do a victory lap about being right at the beginning of the year that they weren't going to make the playoff. <laughs> You're sure you were doing a victory lap and not forgetting that Clemson had lost to Georgia. No, I was doing a, I was doing State. a victory lap. Okay, all right, all right. All I right. promise. That's fine. Well, I'm I'm glad I was paying attention. I would have looked really silly and and probably tripped you up on your victory lap if I'd have messed that up. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. All right, speaking of the Crimson Tide, they are a 25-point favorite against Tennessee in Tuscaloosa. Hendon Hooker, not the injury at the end of the Ole Miss game was not as severe as we thought. We don't know if he's going to be able to play. It, it may be that they just throw Joe Milton in this sucker and, and let him let him uncork some, some deep balls. I think Alabama covers this pretty easily, but I don't think you could bet this game unless you know if Hooker's healthy or playing. Yeah, Tennessee's just feisty. Like I, Tennessee's way feistier than they should have been. I, I, that that's feisty's the the only word I can use to describe them at this point. 
if Joe Milton is starting and playing, does it change your mind? About Alabama covering? About Tennessee no, being feisty? I, well, I definitely, no, no, no. I definitely think Alabama covers if, if Milton starts. But is Tennessee as feisty with Milton as their quarterback, or is Hendon Hooker's ability to get first downs and create plays when things break down like Tennessee's saving grace? Because so I feel like which side with, of the fence you are in this game is completely and utterly based on whether or not Tennessee has their quarterback or not. Here's the thing with Milton. Like, I still feel like there could be one game for Milton where everything just clicks and that rocket arm does some things that nobody else can do. But no, I mean, if, if Hinton Hooker's not playing or if he's limited in any way, then Alabama's going to easily cover the spread. I feel like Tennessee, um, like, do you think that if Tennessee were somehow to compete with Alabama or let's say in a crazy alternate universe win, which fan base do you think would like have been craving it more? Do you think Tennessee or Texas A&M? Like which t- fan base do you think would be more oh, Tennessee more nourished? Definitely Tennessee. <laughs> Remember, Texas A and M has had beaten Alabama more recently than Tennessee had. Yeah, Texas A and M beat Alabama in 2012. So, oh my gosh, it would that that would be ultimate. Just, I it, it would be heaven for Tennessee fans. They they would be in Valhalla. If if they <laughs> somehow beat Alabama, because I, I, it's it's something they don't even think is possible anymore. They've essentially given up on the idea of beating Alabama. It's it, it, it's something that if you're a Tennessee fan and, and you're about to uh, you're about to be allowed to buy cigarettes, you don't even know it's you've never even seen it. You have no well, idea. At least you can buy cigarettes, but at least you can buy cigarettes. Exactly. So. <laughs> It, it it is wow it, it it's going to be when that finally happens and it, it will happen at some point that's going to be the reason why i bring that up isn't game. to be an asshole so i hope you don't take it that way no tennessee is just not. feisty enough to be in a game tennessee with a fans team might, people don't think they could know, be they, in they, a game with they tend to be a little sensitive but do you agree with that the idea that Tennessee will be in a game or is built in a it's just feisty enough this year to potentially be in a oh. game with a really good team in the fourth quarter if things break their way a few times. Oh, I can tell you, listen, if let's say Hendon Hooker is is recovered completely from whatever happened against Ole Miss by the time they play Kentucky, that game's the Kentucky game. That's the game we're talking about. I honestly don't think that 25 is a layup on this one if Milton, or I mean if if Hooker's playing. I would not just be like, oh, 25, 25, here you go. Like Tennessee, you know, maybe Alabama will, but like, I think Alabama is susceptible and I think Tennessee wants it really bad. And I think that if they can move the chains and kind of extend the game a little bit that you never know, like, I, I'm not saying that I think they're going to win by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think that it's out of this world to think it could be a 10 point game in the third quarter. And I mean, even if that's the case, you could still see an Alabama cover in that scenario. But like, it's listen, I I hope so, because because given the the slate, I don't know what we're watching at this point. Now, I I know what I said. The cliche is the weird stuff always happens in these weeks, but I don't I don't know where that comes from. So I hope that's what happens. I hope it's something competitive and something that that we can watch and enjoy, because I feel like right now we're, we're grasping at straws here. 
Uh, I mean, there's one some of the sneaky good matchups, Andy. I think Oklahoma State, Iowa State's good. I think Oregon, UCLA is so. entertaining. Ole Miss, LSU oh, would be interesting. It definitely was it. Uh, well, Pitt, Clemson. One of the, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's why we led with that. But what one other Big Ten matchup I want to talk about, and this is one that that last year this game was actually for the Big Ten East title, essentially. Ohio State, Indiana, and Indiana got down a bunch, came back hard, ends up losing anyway. But we all came away thinking, wow, Indiana is really, you know, scrappy and and Tom Allen is, is a coach everybody wants to play for. Indiana's kind of regressed to the mean. And now Ohio State is becoming Ohio State again. Ohio State's a 21-point favorite on the road. I'm not even sure that's high enough. That's not. Give me a reason that Ohio State doesn't score in the 50s again. I don't. I they 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 really feel of all the teams that we've sort of seen evolve through the season, offensively they feel like they've evolved the most. Do they have the best offense in college football? They might. I, I Ole Miss would would be close, but you saw what Alabama did to Ole Miss. I, I think with Ohio State, it's it's a case of that they have a really good offensive line. Uh, the backs are good. Maybe the best receiving core in college football, and it took. It took a little while for C.J. Stroud to understand really probably the kind of level of talent he was he was dealing with and what he was throwing to. Now that he seems comfortable, there aren't many defenses that I would I would wager could slow them down. Yeah, I think that Ohio State's uh, in a you know spot right now where they're just going to be scoring at will on people. And I don't know if Indiana has enough offensive magic to get within the you know, 35 to 42 point range again that they're going to need to if Ohio State puts up, you know, 52 points like I think they will. Um, I think that 21 is an easy, easy spread. And I think that Ohio State's going to cover with, you know, relative ease. One more game to talk about, Ari, and it's in the ACC. And it's one of those that I, uh, this is NC State at Miami. NC State is a three and a half point favor on the road. This is one where if NC State hadn't already had one of these games, I'd be saying NC State is due for one of these games, but they already had that game against against Mississippi State. They already had their letdown kind of fall flat performance, and it was so early in the season that we we sort of judged them on it, and then now we've seen them get better. The, the Devin to Devin combo is, is outstanding. The defense is really tough to score on. I don't see them having much of a problem with Miami. You know, Miami put up a good fight against North Carolina, but North Carolina is not what we thought they'd be. I think Manny Diaz is is hanging on, and as long as his team does quit on him, he's going to be all right. He's not going to get fired midseason. But I'm I, nothing I've seen from Miami suggests that they can beat NC State. Why do people think that NC State isn't going to win by more than 10? This line seems off to me. It seems kind of smelly. I agree. I agree. It stinks to high heaven because... This feels like a double-digit win for NC State. And I watched NC, Stub- NC State beat the crap out of BC last weekend. I watched the whole game. BC is a pretty good team. Like I think NC State is more than competent this year. I think they're above-average football team, and I think Miami's a below-average football team. I know that the game is in Coral Gables, but three and a half seems very, very low here. Well, it's not in Coral Gables, as everybody who doesn't like Miami will point out to you. that It's in Miami Gardens, which is significantly... You know, depending on traffic, is it takes a while to get there. How many Florida games. mistakes do you think I've made in this on this podcast that you've corrected over the years? I've made so many Florida mistakes. Not many. Well, but you don't you don't do the worst one where you say 
oh, they're going to South Beach. Oh, no, no stadiums or arenas. Like every time people talked about the heat when LeBron played, they're like, they're going to South Beach. No, they're not. They're going to Miami. You have to go across a causeway to get to, to, to South Beach. What? Uh, how far away is Miami Gardens from Coral Gables? I believe it's 17 miles, but in traffic, it takes roughly four, four hours and 45 minutes. No, yeah, I mean, traffic's, tra- getting out of Coral Gables in the afternoon on, on a Friday sucks so bad now saturday is a, a different story but it just i'm trying to imagine trying to get to that stadium in in traffic it would just be a nightmare you but know what's on, funny on saturday, too is that, that i've covered multiple games in that stadium and i still got it wrong well it, but people don't think about where that is you know it, unless you live there or or you you're there a lot you, you're not really thinking about but i've had to type like, out the date line <laughs> right, we have to type out the dateline exactly, we, and that's that's the one thing, folks. Folks never. We have lots of arguments over datelines, which is that's the the word in all cap, the city name in all capitals that you see at the beginning of a story. And we have like like, do you have dream datelines like cities that you've always wanted to have a story originate from? Yes, I've and I've kind of achieved a few of them. Las Vegas is always one. Um, I Mine are like never a, big cities. No, I want my, one of them to be Bemidji, Minnesota. Oh yeah, that'd be a good one. That'd be a good I one. I want uh, Howie in the Hills, Florida, which would have to be a golf story. I think there's a big golf course there. Um, old Dime Box, Texas, which I'm assuming would be like a recruiting story. <laughs> Prosperity, South Carolina, or 96 South Carolina. Either one of those would work for me. Where's that? What's the uh, Disney World place in Florida? Lake Buena Vista. No, it's it's uh, it's like a kind of a cute name that people. People buy condos and live in the neighborhoods down in Florida. Celebration, Florida. Oh, Celebration. I, I think I've had a Celebration dateline back in, in the prep writer days. So, I, <laughs> yeah. Do they have so a high school that, there? Uh, they do. They actually do. I believe Because my understanding is that Celebration, Florida is in existence solely to be a community that patronizes Disney World every day. That's basically what it was. It's a it was a planned community. It's not it's not set up by Disney. Disney, we're gonna get really in the weeds here, but the the land that Disney's on is actually called the Reedy Creek Improvement District. They could have an international airport if they wanted to. Like Walt did not mess around when he had those little old ladies buying up property. He wasn't playing. Yeah. I've I've been to Orlando. I've never been to Disney World. Yeah, I you, you you're going to go. You've got a little girl I know who want to go real bad in about in, in about four years. You're gonna visit. You're gonna see all the princesses. You're gonna do the character breakfast. I think I want to do so Disneyland because Disneyland uh-huh. is a day, and I think Disney World would be too much for five days straight. Oh, it is too much. I can tell you right now. We had we had annual pass. We only lived two hours from there, so we could drive down for the day and come back. But when when our kids were little, I was so sick of Disney. I we've we've moved on to Universal because my kid like kids like roller coasters now. So. That that I can I can live with. I have a few friends and, you know, I know a lot of people that are adults who go to Disney World without children, like adults who I don't get it weird, but I've never been to Disney World, so I don't know that I ever will. No, you 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 will not. It will not be the place for you, but it will be the place for your daughter. So Mm -hmm. in about four years, you will love it and she will love it and it will make you happy that she's so happy. And, you know, she'll pick her favorite Disney princess 
and you'll buy all the dresses and all the accessories. And yeah, I heard the place is a vacuum cleaner to the wallet. Let's put it that way. <laughs> they they have so many different ways to separate you from their money. It is it is truly brilliant, and uh, you're probably better off betting on Pitt, to be honest. If you mm-hmm. if you want to leave with some of your money, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, those those days are coming soon, uh, I think. But trying to get through through just uh, Thursday, October twenty first, if we're being honest. That's right. Well, now we've come full circle. That's right. I have come up with the only thing that's that's actually more dangerous to your wallet than betting on Pit, and that is going to Disney World. Uh, but I have bet on Pit, and Ari has bet against Pit, and the loser will be squirting a condiment. It's bad that the, that our Two bets in a row, we're going to be squirting a condiment into something that doesn't normally get a condiment. But the loser will be squirting a condiment into something. If Ari wins and I lose, I'll be squirting Heinz ketchup into the liquor of my choice and taking a shot. If I win, which means Pitt is legit, then Ari will be squirting French's mustard into the liquor of his choice and taking a shot next Friday You'll hear it on the Andy Staples Show, but before that, you'll hear us breaking down all the games right after they end, Saturday night. Stay up with us. It'll be out within just basically as soon as we can talk about them, and we're going to break it all down. We love hearing what you're eating for breakfast on Sundays, and then you can you can get ready for your NFL Sunday, and then listen to the Athletic Football Show with Robert Mays breaking down the NFL games right after that. So... We really have a perfect weekend scheduled for you. And the highlight of that weekend will be watching Pitt be legit and Ari lose. I promise that's what's I'm pulling happen. for you. I'm pulling for you. But all I know for sure is, A, you're not healed. And B, if Pitt wins, you are going to be so far down the rabbit hole, they're going to hurt you again. It might not be this Saturday, but it's going to happen because you'll forget your lesson. You'll feel like you can bet on Pitt again. Then you'll do it again and you'll get your back broken. So, you know, welcome back to the to the club. And Ari, there's no, there's no condiment that can hurt me except for the one that I had to consume after Pitt lost the last time I bet on them. Squirting, I like... I like ketchup and mustard, but squirting mustard into tequila or something sounds awful. So I really hope I don't have to do that. (laughs) It's time. Let's do it. Is Pitt legit? We'll find out. 